Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, from staff on the 19th of March, cheat sheet, is there a war on landlords? Second topic, good returns, 20th of March, interest rates closest to peak. Third topic from staff on the 26th of March, new report ranks Auckland's seventh least affordable housing market. Fourth up this week, we've got from good returns on the 22nd of March, Bolton changes views on DTIs, thinks LVRs need to be wound back. And fifth topic from staff on the 23rd of March, landlords asking for higher rents, but data shows often not achieving them. So first up this week from staff on the 19th of March, cheat sheet, is there a war on landlords? According to opposition politicians, the government's attacking mum and dad landlords and the war has resulted in higher rents and excessive red tape. Politicians and landlord groups have made similar claims regularly since Labour took office in 2017. National and ACT have increased their claims as the election season approaches. Is there any truth to it? Here's a breakdown of new regulations for landlords. Tax policy changes. This includes extending the Brightline test, which taxes profits from the sale of an investment property to 10 years and removing the ability to deduct mortgage interest on rental properties from taxes. Letting fees have been prohibited and healthy home standards, which establish minimum requirements for heating, insulation, ventilation, moisture drainage, and draft proofing in rental properties have been implemented. Tenancy laws have been revised, which includes prohibiting no-cause terminations, limiting rent hikes to once a year, and allowing tenants to make minor changes to their rentals, such as earthquake or baby proofing. Why are the new rules a problem for landlords? The removal of interest deductibility, according to National Party housing spokesperson Chris Bishop, is unprincipled because the fundamental principle of tax law is to tax profit rather than revenue. It raises rents and puts a strain on the state house waiting list and emergency housing, he claims, making it a tenant's tax. The rental market is very unfavourable for landlords, according to ACT Deputy Leader Brooke Van Gelden, as a result of these tenancy law reforms. Because it's more difficult to evict problematic tenants after eliminating no-cause terminations, she believes that landlords are reluctant to rent to marginal tenants. What does the government say? According to Megan Woods, Minister of Housing, the tax changes are intended to encourage new construction and restore the balance in favour of first home buyers. Proof of this is the upswing in the construction of new homes and the government investing in pipes and roads, which allow for more housing. According to her, the government is dedicated to resolving the housing crisis by increasing supply, including rental homes. That's why it's exempting build-to-rent developments from the interest deductibility changes. She added that changes to the tenancy law make renting fairer for tenants. Do landlords feel attacked? Serena Gibbon, General Manager of the Auckland Property Investors Association, says that while targeting landlords is appropriate in some cases, such as the healthy home standards, it's not in others, such as the interest deductibility limitation. It's not only adverse policies that upset landlords, it's also alienating and disregarding landlords' experience, perspectives and expertise. It's unnecessary to pit landlords against tenants. What do tenants think? 
Geordie Rogers, president of Renters United, believes that the government's changes are just for landlords. Most of the changes target irresponsible landlords and those who are only interested in boarding houses, he says. Rogers thinks landlords need to give a reason to kick tenants out. The changes help tenants gain their security of tenure. Will opposition change anything? If elected to lead the government later this year, both the National and ACT parties would repeal the new rental properties interest deductibility rules. National would reduce the duration of the Brightline test to two years, whereas ACT would eliminate it. Van Velden said ACT would reinstate landlords' ability to terminate tenancies without cause. One more change that I think would be helpful for the government or an opposition to consider is the removal of ring fencing of tax losses because that puts another barrier in place for landlords who want to provide rental accommodation to the general public. And considering that private landlords provide about 85% of all of the rental accommodation in New Zealand, I think anything that can help that when we're in the middle of a rent crisis should be encouraged. Second topic for this week in review from Good Returns on the 20th of March, interest rates closest to the peak. ASB's cut its rates by 10 and 15 basis points, bringing the one-year rate down to 6.64%, that's down 0.2%, the 18-month rate down to 6.64%, which is down 0.15%, and the two-year term down to 6.69%, that's down 0.2%. All of those are higher than its main competitors. With the mortgage market in a slump and January house sales at their lowest in 40 years, the mood's unlikely to make much of a difference. Interest rates are expected to rise slightly this year, according to CoreLogic Research head Nick Goodall, though they are closer to the peak than the trough. Economist Tony Alexander agrees with Goodall's forecast, saying that fixed rates have peaked, but they'll not decline rapidly. Despite speculation, he thinks interest rates will not fall by 2% in the next 12 months. Looking back at previous periods of monetary policy tightening in New Zealand, there have been periods of remarkable growth as well as periods of sharp decline. During the 1997-98 Asian financial crisis, interest rates rose and then fell by about 5% in as little as six months. And the same thing happened again in about 13 months during the 2008-2009 global financial crisis. For Alexander, it's unlikely that something like the GFC is going to happen. A key indication is that people are starting to pull away from the belief that 8% interest rates are going to become reality. According to Goodall, the industry is probably over the bulk of people having to take the largest increase in their mortgage payments. Many borrowers were concerned when their mortgage rates rose from the mid-2% to the mid-6% range in the middle of last year. They adjusted their spending and are now favouring the one-year rate. And when they roll that off next year, the increase in interest payments will be less dramatic, said Goodall. He observed that there's been no increase in banks' non-performing loans, nor has there been an increase in people switching to interest-only payments because they're unable to meet their mortgage payments. If you'd like to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free events, How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, and these events are available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk.
If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can either attend one of our free events, because I also talk about this towards the end of the session, or you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website too. Third topic for this week in review from Stuff on the 27th of March, new report ranks Auckland's seventh least affordable housing market. The annual Demographia International Housing Affordability Report calculates affordability by dividing the median house price by the median household income. Every year it ranked 94 major housing markets with populations of more than 1 million people in Australia, Canada, Hong Kong, Ireland, New Zealand, Singapore, the United Kingdom and the United States. It found Auckland to be the seventh least affordable housing market in the world, despite a year of falling prices. Auckland had a median multiple of 10.8, which meant house prices were 10.8 times the median household income. That was an improvement from last year when the price-to-income ratio was 11, and Auckland's median price had fallen 15.2% year-on-year to $1 million in February, according to the most recent Real Estate Institute figures. However, the report noted that the price-to-income ratio had risen by the equivalent of two years of median household income since the beginning of the pandemic in 2019. In early 2020, Auckland's price-to-income ratio was 8.6, and back in 2010, it was 6.4. The report authors consider markets with house prices more than three times the median regional income as unaffordable. Prices that are more than five times higher are considered severely unaffordable, and Auckland is in that category. Of the 94 markets ranked, Hong Kong remained the most unaffordable market in the world with a median multiple of 18.8. Sydney was the second least affordable market. Following this was Honolulu, Hawaii. The most affordable markets were all in the United States. However, ACT Deputy Leader Brooke Van Velden stated that interest rates were lower in Sydney, Vancouver, Honolulu, San Jose and Los Angeles compared to Auckland. That means that Kiwis carry both the burden of high prices and interest rates. CoreLogic's chief property economist Calvin Davidson said that relief might come over the next three to six months if mortgage rates flatten, wages rise and house prices continue to fall. Fourth topic for this week in review from Good Returns on the 22nd of March, Bolton changes views on DTIs and thinks LVRs need to be wound back. In an interview, John Bolton, a veteran mortgage broker, believes that debt-to-income ratios or DTI ratios for lending control aren't such a bad thing. He also agrees that loan-to-value limits should be gradually reduced. The Reserve Bank's currently working on DTIs and hopes to have them ready by next year in case they're needed to curb any future surge in house prices. They would join LVRs in the bank's anti-inflation toolkit. The recent drop in house prices has taken some of the sting out of the DTI program, but after previously opposing it, Bolton now sees merit in it. He claims that DTIs are a constant measure that ignores fluctuating interest rates and is thus better suited to the fact that real estate purchases are long-term investments. According to Bolton, a DTI regime would smooth over the rise and fall of interest rates as well as stress-testing levels. They may also spare themselves the agony of dealing with a stress test rate that's risen to between 8.5% and 9% in response to actual mortgages reaching a 6.95% median for two-year fixed loans. 
Bolton also mentioned that LVRs were appropriate when house prices were too high, but they're now reaching the end of their usefulness. They were appropriate when house prices were too high. Bolton believes that while the LVR restrictions should be lifted for first-time buyers, they should be retained for property investors. Fifth topic for this week in review from Stuff on the 23rd of March, landlords asking for higher rents, but data shows that they're often not achieving them. Landlords are demanding record high rents, but rental price data shows that the actual amounts tenants are paying are mostly flat or even declining in some parts of the country. TradeMe released data indicating that the median rents landlords were asking for had surpassed $600 a week for the first time. However, based on data on actual rents paid, CoreLogic reported that landlords had lost the upper hand and that rents were flat or even falling. The disconnect between landlords' wants and what they appear to achieve is most notable in Auckland and Wellington. The rental price landlords were asking in Wellington broke records in February, according to TradeMe, at $695 per week. Meanwhile, the online marketplace reported that advertised rents in central Auckland reached a new high of $620 a week. CoreLogic discovered that rents were falling in Auckland, where they were $583 per week, which is down 0.8% year-on-year, and in Wellington, where they were $595 per week, down 3.7% year-on-year. However, rents were not all moving in the same direction. Rents in Hamilton had risen 4% year-on-year to $466 per week, while in Tauranga they'd risen to close to 8%, or $614. And in Christchurch, they'd risen to $493. CoreLogic noted that mortgaged investor participation was weak in the current market. According to TradeMe Property Sales Director Gavin Lloyd, rent growth usually accelerates during the summer months. TradeMe initially claimed that rental prices had reached all-time highs before clarifying that the insights were in fact related to the amounts that landlords were asking for. Property Apprentices free events cater to the changing needs of first home buyers and investors all over New Zealand. Join me for our upcoming event, How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. My tips as a financial advisor regarding strategies for successful investing are live training sessions held either online or in our Auckland office, and there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'll answer as many of them as possible. You can register on our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz and check out the details there. If you'd like to have a no-obligation meeting with my husband, Paul, to see how we could help you, you can also book a meeting or phone call with him by our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz.